Washington, D.C., this is on the ground. As deadly heat kills hundreds in the Pacific Northwest and Canada, sets fires to entire communities and overwhelms power grids, climate activists stage demonstrations over three days in front of the White House, demanding that President Biden not abandon his promise to fight the climate catastrophe. And I am still wondering, Biden, if you really are the climate leader that you say you are. And outside the Organization of American States, Peruvians and their supporters celebrate the socialist president-elect of Peru, Pedro Castillo, and defend him against fascist attempts to overturn his win. Now the people that live in the mountains and the jungle of Peru, they know how they're being exploited. They voted for Pedro Castillo. They don't want any more neoliberalism. They don't want any more dictatorship under Keiko Fujimori, who had the entire mainstream media in Peru campaigning for her. A pre-birthday celebration for WikiLeaks editor Julian Assange and much more coming up on the show. Welcome to On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital for July 2nd, 2021. I'm Esther Averam. Well, as of Friday morning, the death toll at a partially collapsed condominium in Surfside, Florida, stood at 18 with 145 people still missing. Search and rescue operations paused for most of Thursday as it was feared that the portion of Champlain Tower South still standing might collapse. County officials told reporters that the remaining upright structure would likely be demolished soon in a matter to steer new debris away from the existing mound that is being excavated for victims. Meanwhile, more information about deterioration of the building is emerging. The Washington Post reported Thursday that most of the condominiums board abruptly quit in 2019 with irreconcilable differences over how to repair the 136-unit building, which engineers warned in 2018 would require $9 million in repairs at that time. The building collapsed at a near freefall speed in the wee hours of June 24th. In addition to the building's structural and maintenance deficiencies, the impact on it from climate change, including battering by hurricanes, corrosive seawater, and sinking at the site, was among the emergencies cited by climate activists who converged on D.C. this week. On Monday, dozens of activists with the Sunrise Movement were arrested as they blocked multiple entrances to the White House. On Tuesday, a coalition of organizations and lawmakers rallied to end all subsidies to fossil fuel companies. And on Wednesday, a contingent, including Native American environmentalists, also blocked entrances to the White House. Taisha Martinu, a water protector of the Fond du Lac Nation, who is opposing expansion of the Enbridge Line 3 tar sands pipeline in Minnesota, spoke to the crowd at a West Side entrance. I want to ask each and every single one of you if you have the means and the ability to join me in northern Minnesota to protect the Mississippi, to fight for Otter Creek, to protect every single lake and waterway that this corporation is putting at risk because this is all of our water. Every single one of us is a water carrier. The Anishinaabe have been calling for help and we need you. My Auntie Tanya is sitting in a prayer lodge at the Mississippi 
River, kenneled by police. My sister, Tara Huska, at Camp Nemeawag, sitting on private property that she owns, kenneled by police. I need you to find that warrior spirit. I need you to come to Minnesota, and I need you to take a stand for humanity, because this Line 3 is the dying gasp of the oil industry, and they know it, and they're scared. Line 3 is a major controversy for Biden, who pledged as a candidate to support indigenous rights and climate justice. His administration continues to defend the Tar Sands Project in court, though it violates the treaty land of the Ashinaabe people through the Mississippi River headwaters to the shore of Lake Superior. More from this week's climate protests after headlines. In another pipeline controversy this week, the Supreme Court sided with Penn East Pipeline Company in a dispute with New Jersey, deciding that the private company can seize land owned by the state to build a natural gas pipeline. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, FERC, which is known as an industry rubber stamp, granted Penn East a so-called Certificate of Public Convenience in 2018, but lawsuits soon followed. Even with the Supreme Court ruling, a separate challenge to the pipeline still remains in a federal appeals court here in Washington. In other consequential decisions this week, the Supreme Court sided with two right-wing nonprofit groups who argued that California's donor disclosure requirement violated their First Amendment rights. The nonprofits were supported by a cross-section of groups, including the ACLU, the Libertarian Cato Institute, and the NAACP. But critics warned that the decision will allow more untraceable campaign contributions to manipulate elections. And speaking of elections, the court dealt a third blow this week. They had a trifecta. They upheld Arizona's new election law that bans out-of-precinct voting and forbids collection of ballots uh, to be delivered, you know, together at a polling site, like collecting ballots on a remote reservation, for example. Writing her dissent, Justice Elena Kagan said, quote, some of those restrictions may be lawful under the Voting Rights Act, but chances are that some have the kind of impact the act was designed to prevent, that they make the political process less open to minority voters than to others, end quote. The ruling comes as Democrats are working to pass the For the People Act, which, though flawed, will counter many of the voting restrictions being passed by Republicans in states around the country. Lydia Curtis attended a recent mass voter rally on the National Mall. The Freedom Ride for Voting Rights, organized by Black Voters Matter, with 48 national political and advocacy organizations, made its ninth and final stop on the National Mall on Saturday, June 26, 2021. This Freedom Ride marked 60 years after the original Freedom Ride to desegregate public accommodations in the South and drew attention to today's fight against voter suppression. Over a thousand people gathered, including a fiery coalition of marching union members, to listen and respond to the many calls for justice and an end to voter suppression. Attorney Barbara Arnwine was among the speakers.
Legislation passed in Georgia and under consideration in Florida, Michigan, and many other states would restrict access to ballots, especially among black, brown, and student voters. The Justice Department announced on June 25th that it is suing the state of Georgia for enacting legislation restricting the use of absentee ballots and the provision of food and water to people waiting in line to vote. The United States versus Georgia is a claim under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, which prohibits states from adopting practices that deny or interfere with the rights of citizens to vote because of their race or color. Now that the ride is over, organizers are asking that people go to blackvotersmatterfund.org, sign up for newsletter updates, download the Empower app, and follow Black Voters Matter on social media. For On the Ground, this is Lydia Curtis. In international news, we will bring our story about support for Peru's new socialist president-elect later in the show. But also this week, the Justice for Muslims Collective and Witness Against Torture commemorated Torture Awareness Month with the program Democratizing Torture, Systemic Punishment in the United States and Israel. They brought Mansour Adefi, a Guantanamo Bay torture survivor, and Iswar Maruf, a Palestinian survivor of Israeli torture, to share their firsthand witness on the impacts of the torture used by the state of Israel and the United States in opposition to their stated so-called democratic values. I adhere that the torture inflicted on Iraqi people after the American invasion of that country was included in the many obituaries this week of former Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld who was in charge of the U.S. invasion of Iraq, where the U.S. remains more than 18 years later, despite being ordered to leave by Iraqi lawmakers, voted to leave by Iraqi lawmakers, but we won't leave. And the 50th birthday of Imprisoned WikiLeaks editor Julian Assange, which is actually on July 3rd, was also celebrated by press freedom advocates and human rights advocates at a Thursday rally outside the Department of Justice. Thomas O'Rourke was on hand and has more. On a steamy July 1st in Washington, at the Justice Department's 10th and Penn Avenue entrance, 50-plus supporters bid farewell and bon voyage to Julian Assange's father and brother, John and Gabriel Shipton, as they completed their home run for Julian month-long U.S. tour and returned home to Australia. Raising awareness of the vital importance of Assange's case to press freedom around the world, the duo expressed astonishment and gratitude for how many Americans came out in support for Julian during this tour. Several speakers mentioned the most recent bombshell this week when a key witness for the FBI and Justice Department's extradition team, an Icelandic citizen named Sigurdur Inge Tordarsson, with a felony record of fraud and sexual abuse of minors, admitted to fabricating much of the testimony he gave regarding his interactions with Assange and abetting Julian's alleged acts of espionage. Tortorsen, in an interview with Icelandic media Stunden, now recants his testimony against Assange and admits to continuing to engage in criminal activity 
while under the protection of our government's premier law enforcement agencies. This latest example contributes to the scores, if not hundreds, of documented instances of American and British government misconduct, as they've targeted Assange since about 2010 for his many and various exposés of government abuse of power, financial felonies, mass murder, and war crimes. Among the supporters on hand, I spoke to WBAI programmer, podcaster, and comedian Randy Credico, asking him this. What do you think it's going to take to get him out? About a million people like this on the street. Yeah. You know, that's what it's going to take the asses of the masses. More people getting aware, make it an international super story. You know, they got the one with the Russian guy, Navalny. That's an international story. He's not one tenth of one percent of Julian Assange. And, you know, but that's all ginned up by uh, Western democracy, so-called democracies. For On the Ground, this is Thomas O'Rourke. And finally, in culture and media, Wednesday, July 7th, is the deadline to vote in the Pacifica bylaws referendum, which, if passed, will eliminate the democratic structure that currently allows for elected staff and listener representation on Pacifica's local and national boards. Within the group New Day Pacifica proposing the changes are the same individuals who carried out the 2019 coup against the New York Pacifica station WBAI and recently removed a majority of producers who are people of color or from other marginalized groups from the FM dial at KPFT in Houston. If these bylaws are approved, it will make it easier for a new unelected board to again shut down one of the Pacifica stations or censor programming. The group opposed to these changes in the bylaws is Pacifica Fight Back. All Pacifica listener members, paid and unpaid staff, volunteers, you should have received an electronic ballot by email. If you have not received a ballot, request one at elections.pacifica.org. If you don't have internet access, call one of the five Pacifica stations where you are a member. Again, Wednesday, July 7th is the deadline to vote in the Pacifica bylaws referendum, which if passed will eliminate the democratic structure that currently allows for elected staff and listener representation on the local and national boards of Pacifica. Look for the ballot in your email from vote. It will be from simplyvoting.com. More information is at elections.pacifica.org. And those are headlines and happenings. Stay with us.
Tuesdays. Can I hear that? Yeah. No movement, it's an international movement. But as we know, all politics is local. So I want to take us back to my district, New York's 16th Congressional District, where we just defeated a 31-year incumbent because of the Sunrise Movement. 
truth of the matter. I represent the Bronx. Shout out to the Boogie Down Bronx. I represent Mount Vernon. Shout out to Mount Vernon. And I represent Yonkers. Shout out to Yonkers. And a big shout out to New Rochelle, New York. Shout out New Rochelle. So I represent other areas as well, but I want to focus on these areas for a moment. Because these are the areas where the racial injustice, the economic injustice, and the environmental injustice continues to live and breathe in our country. These are the areas where COVID ravaged my district because of the comorbidities that exist due to the climate crises and environmental racism. These are the areas where public housing continues to crumble because the federal government has not given a dime to public housing in 10 years. These are the areas where our public school infrastructure continues to fall apart because it's 100 years old. These are the areas where children are living with lead paint and, and developing cognitive difficulties because they live with lead paint and we're not doing a damn thing about it. This is the area where Robert Moses built the Cross Bronx Expressway that destroyed the Bronx, that now has people inhaling these fumes that are leading to asthma, upper respiratory illness, and horrible qualities of life. Now, I love my entire district, but I need to contrast Yonkers, Mount Vernon, New Rochelle, and the Bronx to Scarsdale, Mamaroneck, Ryan, Bronxville. Because if you live in my district and you're white, you're more likely to be wealthy. You're more likely to go to fully funded schools. You're less likely to have asthma. And you're more likely to have green, beautiful places to hang out, play, and live. That ain't right. So, I am unapologetic. I ran for office to represent those who have been marginalized, neglected, and disenfranchised in my district. So now is the moment where we have to go big or go home. Because, so when the New Deal was implemented and we rebuilt America, we kept out care workers, we kept out farm workers, and we redlined black communities. And we, and we freaking devalued those communities just because they were black. And over 30 years, we gave almost 200 billion in home loans to build the white suburbs while black communities were left to suffer and claw and scratch and die. There's another part of this we don't talk about often. Talk about it. Talk about it. Not only did they redline us, they drafted us first for Vietnam. And then when we came back, they didn't have no jobs for us, but they had heroin for us. They had drugs for us. And they had police for us. No jobs, but they have police. No jobs, but they have crack cocaine. They occupy our streets, they mass incarcerate us, but they leave us food insecure in transportation deserts and our buildings and schools falling apart. that! We gotta go big and take it to another level. 
And this is our moment. This is the moment. fight, ride or die, and I'm not coming by myself. I got my sister, Cori Bush. I got my sister, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. I got my other sisters, Ayana and Ilhan and Rashida. But, 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 even more importantly than that, we got the Bronx in this fight. We got Mount Vernon in this fight. We got Yonkers in this fight. And we're bringing Yonkers, Co-op City, Edenwall, Wakefield, New Rochelle. We're bringing the hood with us to this fight. Because, because the hood, they, we've been led to believe that this is not our fight. We've been led to believe that nothing can change and make this world a better place. But we have proven that wrong right now in this moment. No, we're at the White House today, but we're going to be in your house tomorrow. In this country, that is where we're going. Peace and love to you all. It's my honor to be with you all. Let's continue to fight together. Thank you all so much. to see so many people from across, all of you, you from all across this country, we're still fighting for what, for what we've asked for and what we've asked for and what we've asked for and we're still fighting for what we've asked for. The truth of the matter is we're not fighting for something that we just want because it sounds good. We're fighting for what we need so that we can survive, our planet survive. of our future, the legacy of our children's children's children. So I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is we shouldn't even have to be here right now. We shouldn't. But here we are. Today we stand together to demand negotiation like our future and our present depend on it. Like it depends on it because what we're about is saving lives. And when we save lives, when we save lives, what we're saying is, in every aspect of life, we have to save lives. Amen. So, if you won't address, if our, if the administration, if, if our president, if our state government, federal government, local government, 
won't address our environment because our environment is more than what some people think it is. Our environment is our environment. Anything that touches us, anything that we have to walk through, walk past, use, be involved in, that's our environment. And so we need them to pay attention to our environment. Let me say this. Because I used to think that our environment was just about recycling and about polar bears. I really did. I really did. But it took a wake-up call for me to find out something different, and that's what you all are doing. You are the right now had you not made almost 500 In the past week, we have seen dangerous heat events obliterating the Northwest in record numbers. And we see that it's coming up again over the next few days in places where they don't even have AC. We have seen formerly once in 500 year flooding events happening in the Midwest for the second time in this decade. People are suffering, people are dying because of our problem that society created. Society created a problem, and so society has to fix it. It's a choice. This suffering is a policy choice. It's a choice that our planet is being sold out to polluting corporations. It's a choice that these corporations disproportionately pollute black and brown communities and neighborhoods. That highways were built that, that go all the way through our communities and that our pipes are made with lead. That's a choice. So today we're standing together to say survival is not radical. It's not. The Green New Deal is not radical. with our megaphones, we're going to fight with our hands, with our feet, with our voices, with our flags, we're going to fight with people in Congress who can write bills like myself. We want to show our children's children that we stood for them, that we believed in a better world and we didn't just believe by tweeting it out. Because sometimes you got to show up. You all showed up in the heat. You showed up. And let me say, it's not just climate. We have to save lives in every way possible. And I have to say that I'm proud of the Sunrise Movement's endorsement of my new bill, the People's Response Act. This new bill that's just out today would transform our public safety system one that to one that prioritizes care over criminalization. Healing over incarceration and prevention over policing. Police violence, police violence and climate change are not standalone issues. And, and we will respond to both crises with care and love because they're both fundamentally about the spread of environmental injustice in our community. So, you're stepping up today. You stepped up yesterday. You keep stepping up. And because you keep stepping up, they can't let it go because you won't let them let it go. And I won't let you let it go. And these are Jamal Bowman and these are Will Ayanna Presley. We 
Those were climate activists with the Sunrise Movement rallying outside the White House on Monday, June 28th, with Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, Representative Cori Bush of Missouri, and starting out with Representative Jamal Bowman, also of New York. This is On the Ground. Stay with us. El pueblo ya habló, ya ganó, el pueblo ya habló, Castillo ya ganó. Thank you everybody so much for coming out. We just want to, we just want to get the message out that the indigenous vote matters, right? The indigenous vote matters. There is no evidence of fraud. There's multiple countries that already overlooked the election. There's no evidence of fraud, but Keiko Fujimori does not want to step down. For those of you who don't know, she's the daughter of a dictator, a right-wing dictator. She's going to implement more right-wing policies in Peru, more neoliberalism, so that Peru's natural resources can be privatized even more. And then the multinationals, the Western multinationals will profit more off of Peru's resources. Now the people that live in the mountains and the jungle of Peru, they know how they're being exploited. They voted for Pedro Castillo. They don't want any more neoliberalism. They don't want any more dictatorship under Keiko Fujimori, who had the entire mainstream media in Peru campaigning for her. Not only that, but the JNPE, the organization that's supposed to officially announce the elections, has not officially announced the elections yet. Even though all the votes were already officially counted by the ONPE, there has been no official announcement. It's a complete conflict of interest for her to have supporters of her to be in the JNPE. Fujimori nunca más. Fujimori nunca más. So there's two reasons why this election is so important to me. Number one is because it's my blood. I'm Peruvian. Like these are my people. I really care about this. I don't want my people to be exploited by Western powers. Number two, this directly affects me and all of you because as these Western corporations get more powerful, then they have more power to buy off politicians. They have more money to buy off these politicians. And so they can implement more right-wing policies here in the States that aren't gonna benefit you. We're seeing an increase in debt, we're in uh, student debt, we're seeing increase in price for medical, uh, medical care. It's because these Western oligarchs are becoming more and more powerful as they enrich themselves from the natural resources of the global South, like Peru. That's right. So I can't thank you guys enough for coming out. I truly appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. It means so much for me and other Peruvian people for you guys to care about our elections. Fujimori nunca más. Fujimori nunca más. Castillo ya ganó, el pueblo ya habló. Castillo ya ganó, el pueblo ya habló. Thank you guys so much. El pueblo ya votó, Castillo ya ganó, el pueblo ya votó. 
Castillo ya ganó, el pueblo ya votó. Castillo ya ganó, por justicia y dignidad. Fujimori nunca más. Por justicia y dignidad. Fujimori nunca más. Por justicia y dignidad. Fujimori nunca más. Viva el Perú. Viva el Perú, carajo. Can you translate the two the two main chants that you all were doing? Uh, the two, oh. It was like two or three main chants. Uh, the, peop, the people already voted. Castillo, Castillo already won. Right. Uh, the I people don't... already voted. Castillo already won. Yeah. Okay. For memory, justice, and dignity. For Fujimori, never again. For memory, justice, and dignity. Fujimori, never again. Yes. Yes. And That's the it. other one is the OAS has already said it. Uh, Castillo already won. My name is Sean Blackman. I'm here with the Answer Coalition, which stands for Act Now to Stop War and End Racism. And our reason for being here today is simple. We are asking that democracy inside Peru be respected. We're asking that the people's will inside Peru be respected. We're asking that the sovereignty of that country be respected. And we are here to say no to the interference of capital, of corporate profit, and of US imperialism in Peru and in Latin America in general. And we know that the uh, US ambassador to Peru who worked for the right wing Mike Pompeo has cast her lot with the right-wing Fujimori camp. And so Washington's interest in what's happening in Peru is clear. It's part and parcel of the United States government ongoing project to try to push back any progressive movement or any progressive element inside Latin America so we can maintain control of the region. And this institution, the Organization of American States, is one of the major components of how the U.S. and the West maintains control over the hemisphere and over the Americas. Oh. Okay, yeah, all right, cool. We're gonna get some translation and crack it off. And whenever I'm in front of the Organization of American States, I always like to point out how appropriate it is that there's a statue of yeah, Isabella yeah. in front of this building. Mm -hmm. This is the lady who helped fund and organize the expedition of Christopher Columbus, yep. who then set in motion what would come to be the colonization, the genocide and the enslavement that would create the Americas as we know it today. My friends, that is the same dynamic that is playing out in Peru right now. Sean dice que todas las veces que viene aquí frente a la Organización de Estados Americanos se cuestiona cómo es posible que estemos aquí y que haya esta estatua de Isabel la Católica que es la que financió la invasión de nuestras Américas que ha convertido eh, a este continente en lo que es ahora en haber sido eh, este, despojado de sus recursos y en haberle quitado eh, estos recursos a la población que estaba aquí. Thank you. And the last thing I'll say is that the only way 
that will be able to successfully push for democracy in Peru and for Pedro Castillo to be recognized as the president of Peru in an election that he won fair and square against a person whose father is sitting in prison right now for human rights abuses. See, this, this is it's not just an election. This is about the direction of Peru as a country. There is so much writing for the people of Peru on what happens here. And so as people of conscience and as people here in the beating heart of world imperialism, we have a particular duty to push back against this because the attacks on Peru, the attacks on Latin America are carried out by the U.S. government in our name, but without our consent. And we're here to say no more. So we have to continue to organize. We have to continue to do what we're doing right now. And we have to continue to fight U.S. imperialism in Latin America and wherever we find it. Thank you. significance of the yellow flowers and the song yeah do you have the translation i have oh. it in spanish so what we just what what she was talking about it was that that song that we sung uh it's a song that right-wing people in peru said that was a song of terrorist groups and we were reivindicating or like uh bringing reality to the song the song was a song written to to talk about a group of students who were repressed, brutally repressed by the cops in Peru in the 70s. Right. And during this campaign, they have uh, the right-wing conservative groups have been saying that this song, which is a song from the Andes in Peru, is a terrorist song. Wow. And it, it has been horrible because it's a song that our brothers and sisters who are uh, indigenous and campesinos in Peru uh, it's like the song that they identify the most with. Wow. And wow. that's why we were so singing about it. that's like somebody saying Black Lives Matter song is a terrorist song. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the name of that song? Uh, Flor de Retama. Flower yeah. of Retama. Flower of... Is, is Retama a place? Uh, no, I think it's a retama. No, 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 it's a flower. Yeah, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that it's a. Well, we don't think that it's a place. So but say, say the name of the song again. Flor, F L O R, D D E, retama. R E T A M A. And that's just the name of the flower, like a yellow. It's a yellow. It's flower. a yellow flower. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's a indigenous flower of a certain area. Yeah. Yeah, Ayacucho, which is also the area where the Shining Path was uh, created. Right, right. Yeah, right. so historically in Peru for the past 30 years, they've been like uh, criminalizing working class uh, indigenous populations 
because of terrorism because they whenever they don't want to listen to their demands they call them terrorism and using this kind of fact that the shining path which is a, which was a guerrilla group uh, and they kill also thousands of indigenous people uh, with that excuse they yeah they they criminalize them right right they, right they don't listen to them and and this was another attempt to do it like saying that the song that they sing it's a terrorist song which right, is right. completely the opposite right exactly. it's, it's a song exactly. against state terrorism exactly yeah. exactly against terrorism yeah right. My name's Franco. I'm the host of the, the show called Frank Analysis. It's on YouTube, Rockfin, and Odyssey. And we're out here just to secure Peru's elections because Keiko Fujimori has been has just not been accepting the results. Uh, she's a right-wing candidate. She's the daughter of a dictator. And Castillo is a left-wing candidate. He ran for the party called Free Peru, Peru Libre. And Peruvians have a lot of fear with communism given their history. However, that's not what uh, Pedro Castillo is. And even if he was, it's not like he's trying to initiate any, any violence or anything. Um, so the public spoke. They all voted for Castillo. Peru has secure elections. It was overseen by multiple countries. There's no evidence of fraud, although Keiko Fujimori is claiming that there is fraud. Um, so she's really postponing this. And if it reaches July 28th, and there, um, there could be... A, a another election um, so we're trying to secure that because the Peruvians already voted and those votes need to be respected okay so when you say um, if it extends to July 28th you mean the fact that they haven't certified it or made it official yeah it'll it'll become a constitutional crisis for Peru um, so there won't be an official president. So then they'd have to go through, they'd have to have another election if that were the case. Okay, all right. So who has to uh, certify the election? The JNE has to certify the election, and that's in Peru. Already 100% of the votes were counted by the ONPE. Um, yeah, 100% of the votes were passed, but the JNPE has not officially an, um, announced the winner and there's members in JNPE that supported Keiko. And they, they're not supposed to do that. That's a conflict of interest. Okay. All right. So what can people in the U.S. do? Uh, share, share, you know, interviews like this. Uh, share live streams like the ones that are being conducted now. Um, share the work of Fiorella Isabel, who was on the ground. Uh, she's from the Convo Couch, and she's also a fellow member of the MCSC network, as, as well as um, that's the network that I'm a part of. Uh, independent media share that information to people so they can know what's going on. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much.
and Franco of Frank Analysis will have the last word on today's show. He was speaking at a celebration for the president-elect of Peru, Pedro Castillo, held June 26, 2021, in front of the Organization of American States in Northwest D.C. This is On the Ground, on thegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. Special thanks to Lydia Curtis, Chantel James, and Thomas O'Rourke for their contributions to today's show. You can check out all of our current and past shows on the website we maintain, onthegroundshow.org. And you can reach out to us and support us there as well. You can also like the show at On the Ground Show on Facebook and Twitter, And thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon.com at On The Ground Show. Our new podcast, On The Ground with Esther Averam, is on all your podcast platforms. Our new podcasts, our social media pages, and website all have a protest sign with green lettering that says On The Ground. The music we played this hour included Street Fighter Moss by Kamasi Washington, Another Star by Cedar Walton, and our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Averam. Until next time, take good care and keep raising your voice. Peace. This is Esther Averam, producer and host of On the Ground, thanking you for listening and for being a part of our audience. And I'm asking you to please partner with us in keeping alive this independent grassroots news program from Washington, D.C. Your fully tax-deductible donation of as little as $3 a month will help us keep lifting up voices of activism and resistance to corporate power and corporate media. So please go to our page at patreon.com forward slash on the ground show. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash on the ground show where we post the shows and bonus material, or you can see all the ways to support, including end-of-the-year giving and PayPal on our website, which you know is onthegroundshow.org. Thank you.